If you notice on your family news bulletin, there's a can of Coke, right? And people are thinking, what, are we advertising now? You know, no, we're not. Um, we would if they give us a lot of money, but no, we're not. We're not advertising. Um, but you think, why do we have a can of Coke on there? Well, did you know that uh, Ralph J. Stolle was the man who manufactured, okay, kind of designed the machinery to manufacture the pop-top on Coke cans or just cans like this. He was the person who pretty much made this a reality. Um, and R.J. Stolle was the owner of Diofier Manufacturing. And you say, so, so what? He's the owner of, he was the owner of Deerfield Manufacturing. Well, the campus of Grace Chapel is on the old Deerfield Manufacturing facility. This was the oldest uh, manufacturing facility in Mason for many, many years. And we bought this campus from the grandchildren of Ralph J. Stolle. And that's really cool because when I first came on this campus, I went into what is now the Orca Center, and that was a tool and die building. And the original pop-top cans, like the, the patent, if you will, with the specific cans, the little pop-tops, were hanging in what we now call the Orca Center. So it's really cool to have that as a part of it because the Coke can was designed this way. We're talking about, you know, by design. It was designed this way. And what I love about that story is that I believe that Grace Chapel is one of the most innovative churches in the country. Okay. And now with the Orca Center um, being there, it is even more innovative. And what's really cool for me is to know that the person who came up with the idea was a person who owned this property and it hung in what we now call the Orca Center. So it's kind of a legacy. I always think, man, God knows what he's doing. It's just a cool story how he ties it all together. So we're going to continue our series this morning by design. Okay, and what I want to do is I want to look at the second of our five purposes, the second of our five purposes, which is connect. And what we basically at Grace Chapel, we worship God as we connect, grow, serve and reach the world. Those are our five purposes. Those five purposes are built on the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So we have these five purposes and those five purposes are also what make up our five classes right? Discovering Grace Chapel, discovery classes, they're built on those five purposes. And just so you know, write this down, the discovery, the discovering Grace Chapel classes start October 1st and they run for six weeks after five weeks after that. So if you want to be a part of come to be a member of the church, that's 101 that we have 201, 301, 401, 501 going through those five purposes. But you can join the church after you get through 101, October the 1st. So Christians we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we love to talk about fellowship, right? Got your name tags on, we're fellowshipping. We love to talk about fellowship, we love to talk about community, but I'm not really sure we, we think through sometimes what that really means. When the Bible talks about community and talks about the body, talks about fellowship, what, is that, what does that really mean? See, when the Bible actually talks about community, it has in mind experiencing life together, that we should be experiencing life together. This year, we've been on this spiritual journey, right? I always go back to this spot. That's where I started. Now, where we were in bondage, right? We talked about being in bondage in Egypt, the things that are holding us back. And we are moving to the promised land and where, we, where we've entered the promised land. And the promised land for us, as Jen mentioned it this morning, was to, to live in the presence of God. 
to be consistently day to day living in the presence of God. That's what we're talking about. So, so what I want to do is I want to keep that theme going throughout the, this, the rest of this year. This idea of being on the spiritual journey, of being in the presence of God. So what does community have to do with our spiritual journey? What does living in community really have to do with being on this spiritual journey? See, here's the deal. God created us as relational beings, right? We, we, are, we are created to be relational. In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, it tells us, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for us to be alone. We were, ex- ex- we were designed, if you will, to experience life together. People were not designed to experience, to go through, to, to journey through life alone. We were designed to do this together. We were created to live in community. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if, but if someone who falls alone... It is in re- if, but if someone falls alone, they are in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So this just makes sense, right? Two are stronger than one. Three are stronger than two. When you're together, you can fight off the enemy. When you stand together, you can accomplish more. And we talk about this all the time. And we were talking about actually we're going we're gonna to put a roof on the, the house where we, we help with the people, women being uh, in traffic, the women being trafficked. They need a roof on their house. So we're going to go as a team. And I was talking to one of the leaders this morning and he said, you know, my, my leg's feeling kind of difficult. I'm having some trouble with my knee. And I said, well, we'll bring grunt workers, if you will, that can pass it. He said, that's all I need. I just need some people who can help me with that. So that we just need, as the body of Christ, we work together. One person, even if they have skill cannot put the roof on by themselves because that person may be injured. That person may not have the, the strength, if you will, to carry every one of those up on the roof. So we, we are better together. Three are stronger than two. Being with someone is better than being alone. You know this from your experience in life. Having a best friend in school, right, Helps you navigate school even better. If you're, if you're in school, you remember when you went to school, when you were in high school or junior high or whatever, you remember the first day of school, the second day of school, where you didn't know who was going to be in your lunch room, right? You didn't know who you're going to have lunch with. I mean, people get, they're not afraid of English. They're not afraid of math. They're not afraid of social studies. They're not afraid of any, what they're afraid of, what they're nervous about going to school is who's going to, who's going to be there when I'm at lunch? Because who wants to go with your tray, right, and decide, well, I don't know those people, I don't know. You want to sit with your friends. So having a best friend in school helps you navigate school even better. Being alone is one of the worst feelings in the world when you don't want to be alone. Sometimes it's the best feeling in the world, right? Ask a mom with a bunch of kids. They're like, oh, I'm alone in the bathroom by myself. No one's bothering me. But if you don't want to be alone, being alone is one of the worst feelings in the world. Without meaningful relationships, people wither or worse. 
You know, you know, we sometimes wonder where you see people like downtown Cincinnati or you go to New York or Chicago, or whatever else. And you see people sitting and rocking by themselves in the corner or they're, or they're talking to themselves or wherever. And you think, what is wrong with that person? Honestly, that a lot of times comes from years of loneliness. From being from being an outcast and being lonely so let's talk about relationships, the importance of relationships. I want to talk about actually one main one this morning, but I'll talk about the first one. First, we need to have a relationship with God. We need to be in relationship with God. We need that as human beings. I shared this Pascal quote last week a couple of times, but I'm going to share it again. He said, he said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man or every person that only God can fill. We need that relationship with Him. Life isn't complete without being connected to our Creator. You cannot live a complete life without being connected to the Creator. So we need that relationship with God. But second... In addition to our relationship with God, God designed us to be in relationship with each other. We were designed by God to be in relationship with each other. There are other, there are other creatures in the world that can be alone. They, they, as a matter of fact, they like to be alone. That's their, natu- their natural state. The only time they get together with someone else or something else is to mate with it kind of thing. Human beings are not that way. We were designed by God in the image of God to be together in relationship with each other. And that's what I want to talk about today, our relationship with each other, and specifically, specifically, those within the church. Right here. That's what I want to focus on. Not just being in relationship with anybody in the world. I'm talking about being in relationship with people within the church. See, we have a lot of different relationships in life. Right. Everyone, every you, you all know that we have relationships with people at work. You know, the people right next to us in the cubicle next to you or, you know, the person in the office down, your boss, whatever. You have relationships with people at work. You have relationships with people at school. You have relationships with people in your neighborhood, your neighbor to the right, your neighbor to the left. Maybe people all around you in your cul-de-sac. You build a relationship with them. You have a relationship with people in the community at large. You have relationships with people on your team. We all have these different relationships. I, I like to connect in relationship with people in business and our, in our little area here, down 42. One of the places I have a relationship with is Butcher Bills. I like to go to Butcher Bills, right? I walk into Butcher Bills. I, I go there as much as I can because I like to support local business people. So I'll go over there. And when I walk in, depending on who's working there, they say, you know, they say chicken salad on white with tomato. That's my name, chicken salad on white with tomato. Right? I don't think they knew who my, what my name is, but I wear my Grace Chapel shirt a lot. But they say, I walk over to the counter, I put my hand on the counter, chicken salad on white with tomato. That's my name. So I've connected through chicken salad. But that's okay. I have a relationship with some people at Butcher Bills because of spending time there, trying to interact, talking to people. How are you doing? What's going on? Many times I've said to people, and they, they actually tell me what's going on in their lives, I say, oh, I'll, I'll make sure I pray for you. So we we have all these different types of relationships, all kinds of relationships. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we also have a relationship with our church family. And I I think in our culture now, we're, we're losing this and how significant this is. And I hope this morning, as I talk this through, you'll, you'll, you'll gain a better understanding of how important it is to be connected to a body, to the body of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, so our relationship with the church is unlike any other relationship that we have. The Bible describes it, this connection that you and I have, the connection, the relationship we have as a, as a body. I use that word already, as a body. Okay, I want you to listen to these verses. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Listen to the words. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Okay, let me read that again. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part, that's you, each part, think of this individually, each part has a special function, okay, in the body, in a human body. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We belong to each other. There is something supernatural about being a part of the body of Christ. We belong to each other. We are connected to each other. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Okay? So how do we grow more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It keeps it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So I hear people sometimes say, well, yeah, I don't I don't need to be connected. I don't really need to be connected. I'm fine. Um, I, don't, I, you know, I don't really need anybody else's help. I'm good. Well, here's the thing. We need you. See, so we get this we get this American and I'm just going to pick on us for a little bit. Well, we get this American mentality of individualism. And I've asked people from other countries. I said to my friend one time from Nigeria, I said, if, if there's one if there's one bit of theology that, that in, in, the, in the American church that you would disagree with or you don't think is biblical, what would it be? And he said, there's too much emphasis on the individual individualism. OK, not a bad thing. It's not a sin. Well, in some ways it is, but it, I don't think it's a big sin. But he said, we're too individualistic. That's our problem. And so you say, well, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need that, I don't need that. Well, you know, but the problem is that we need you. Okay, if the liver decides, if your liver, your heart, your liver, you you pick an organ that's necessary. If the liver decides it doesn't want to be a part of the body anymore. Okay, no. So you you don't have a liver, okay, or your kidneys. Both, gone, or your heart. What's going to happen to the body? It dies, right? As a matter of fact, to be really honest with, with you, if you take the liver out of the body and kind of put it right there by itself, what's going to happen to the liver? It dies, right? So when you, when you take parts out, they, they don't function as well. They actually end up dying. The idea here is that these two passages, the idea of these two passages is that we need each other. You need the church and the church needs you. You need that. Well, I don't need anybody. Well, okay. You you can function. You can breathe in and out. You can go about your business. But in reality, if you want to, if you want to complete your spiritual journey, if you want to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, if you want to fulfill your purpose in life, then no, you need the body, and the body needs you. You're not designed to function without the body. Hear me. You're not designed by God to function without the body. The body is not designed to function without you. We need each other. That's why churches aren't made up of like one person or two people. 
They're made up of the body of Christ. Every single person has a a specific purpose. Uniqueness they bring to the body. And without that, the church struggles. There are churches all over the country, especially in the Northeast, where, you know, the, in, in Alaska, where we're going this summer. Um, there are churches all over the, the country that are struggling because the, the, they're missing parts of the body, if you will. We need each other. We need to be together. So last week I, I talked about... We've kind of kicked it off with design, right? We had these pencils by design. Talked about a carpenter's pencil. Told you a story about my brother and I up on the roof of a house and we were putting the shingles on and my pencil would roll off and his wouldn't because he was, his pencil was designed, a carpenter's pencil, not to roll off. Well, here's the deal. You, okay, were designed by God for a specific purpose, a unique design, a specific purpose within the church. I want you to, I put these up here because what I would like you to do is, if you were here, weren't here last week, grab one of these pencils. Um, and on the way out, actually, we have Coke for you, too. Uh, we're kind of trying to give something away every week to remind you. But, you know, pop top kind of deal by design. Those pencils by design. So if you didn't get one last week, come up this week and take a pencil with you and listen to last week's sermon to kind of catch up a little bit. But you were designed by God to spit, spit, to spit. No, not to spit. You can spit if you'd like, okay? That's totally fine, all right? But not, not on the carpet, all right? Go out and spit in the bathroom or something like that. You were designed, okay, uniquely to fit, all right, within the body of Christ. That's how God designed you. So I've also heard people say a lot, um, you know, I don't want to be a part of the church. Part, church is a bunch of hypocrites, you know, I'll come in and I'll go out, but I'm not going to be a part because I've been a part of church before. A bunch of hypocrites. You know, honestly, let me explain something to you. Now, we're all hypocrites in some way, so I'll just put that aside, right? We say one thing, we do another, but that doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you hypocritical in some areas. But you, you, people use the word hypocrite. I don't think it's fair to use the word hypocrite in the church. Here's why. They're not being a hypocrite. Okay, they're just at a different place in their spiritual journey. We're at different levels in our spiritual journey. Someone comes to church. I know some of you have been here for maybe a year. Okay, it's like your one year anniversary in the last couple couple months. It came started in the summertime of last year. And and you'd say to the person, well, that person, I, I see what they do. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're they're a year old. They're babies in Christ. They're still learning. Okay, they're still growing. They're still struggling. They're trying to get they're still trying to get past the things that they've been holding on to for years and years, the habits they've been involved in for years and years. It doesn't make them a hypocrite. It makes it makes them on on, on a spiritual journey and growing and they're maturing in their spiritual journey. So we got to be real careful when we come into a church and I know that guy. What's he doing? What a hypocrite. He's not a hypocrite. He's a person trying to grow in his relationship with Christ. And it may just take him a little longer. And sometimes, like I said, a person's six months old. A person's a year old. You don't walk around to our children, right, and go, Oh, you little hypocrite. You know what I mean? You don't go walk around one or two-year-old call them little hypocrites because they, they're not doing what you told them to do. And like, You're a part of our family. What a hypocrite. Why are you, you know? No. They need the time to grow. It's the same with everybody in the body of Christ. So I agree the church is not perfect. Let me just say that. Why? Because you're all here, okay? I'm here. 
All right. And because I'm here, we're going to have problems because I'm a human. We're going to have issues because we are human beings. But God still designed us. Let me say this. All the excuses. We were still designed by God to be connected to the body. OK, with, you know, this is this isn't a this isn't like a, a, a like a, a, you know, like a, a club for for saints. You know what I mean? You come in here. It's all, all, all the best people. No one ever messes up. They come to Grace Chapel. This is a hospital for sinners. Right. We want people who are struggling to come and be a part of the body of Christ. Some are more mature. Some are less mature. But this isn't a place where it's not a so it's not a social club. We all come together because all the righteous people in the world all come together and none of us do anything wrong. It's it's a place where we're all growing in our relationship with Christ. And honestly, sometimes iron sharpens iron. There's confrontation. Sometimes we're teaching and we're, we're exhorting each other. We're challenging each other. We're encouraging each other. It's a part. We're on a spiritual journey. I say this all the time. Let's just do life together. Okay, let's just do life together. None of us are perfect, but that's what the body of Christ is all about. We are connected to the body. God designed us to be connected to the body, knowing who we all are. Okay, as individuals, he designed us, he created us. And even though he knows the worst things about us, he says, I designed you to be connected to the body. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to look around the room, look around the room. Everybody's little name tags and everything. So when you, when you think, oh, church, all oh, these people, oh, the church is this, the church is that. Look around the room real quick. Just look around. I see some of your heads are just looking straight ahead. Stop looking straight ahead. Look around. Look around. I'm not going to make you do anything. You know, just wave to the person in the back, whatever else, okay? Look at these people's faces. Look at these beautiful, wonderful, super faces. This is the church. This building's not the church. We just, this keeps the rain from hitting us, right? This keeps us to be, this makes it a little more cool in the summertime and this makes it, you know, a little warmer in the wintertime. But we, we are the church. This is the body of Christ. It's God's desire that you would be a part of. The reason I said look around, it is God's desire and design that you would be a part of that person's life, the person sitting next to you. That's God's design. And they should be a part of your life. We should be thinking, how do I get more connected? And, and not just for an hour on Sunday morning. But how do I connect, really truly connect with people? Think about the community of Jesus, right? Jesus had his disciples. And I want, you to, I want to ask you a question. Do you think the disciples came and hung out with Jesus once a week to listen to him talk for an hour, sang a few songs, and then that was it? Until next week? Do you think that's, that's, that was the connection? That You think that's the relationship they had? Oh, time to go hear Jesus. Let's go hear him. You know, Lord, you've been talking for what, 35 minutes? So wrap it up there, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And then like sing a few songs. You know, I don't want to sing anymore. And that, no, and that's not, that's not what happened. They, they did life together. They did life together. This, this is the kind of community right here we're describing where they did life together. This is the kind of community that God in, intends for us to enjoy. That we're doing life together. That we're connecting with each other. This was the heart of the early church. I mean, you read the New Testament. This is the way they lived their lives. They were in connection, in fellowship with one another. Today, I just, the older I get, it just more, the more it frustrates me. But today it seems like the, the goal of church is to fill the building as many times as you possibly can. But I keep thinking to myself, the church was designed for more than that. 
for more than just to entertain you. You know, I say, I, oh, we don't entertain here at Grace. Well, I, I hope that you're, I hope that you enjoy coming on Sunday mornings. I really do. I don't want you to be bored. But the church is not designed just to entertain. It's designed to, it's designed that we can belong, not just for entertainment, but for belonging. We need to belong to each other. We belong to each other. Let me read you from Acts chapter, read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Listen to this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. Like if, if someone had more and someone had less, they, and this isn't, we, we can get past the, you're a, this is a sluggard and this is a poor person. We're talking about poor. We're talking about people struggling here. So if someone saw someone else in the church struggling, they, they said they, they, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in, temp, in the temple courts. They broke bread every day. They broke the temple courts. uh, See, I I, I talk and I lose my place. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, people were seeing this. They were seeing true fellowship. They were seeing true community and they wanted to be a part of that. And God was adding to the numbers those who were being saved. Here's what happens when a body is healthy, miracles happen. See, people want to be a part of a body of Christ where, where dynamic things are happening. I'm sorry, okay? You may not call it a miracle, and, I, and maybe I'm stretching, but when Kevin, Pastor Kevin gets up and says that we've trained over 25,000 students in the public school, we train them in archery, how many people have been trained? How many people have then come on campus? How many people are part of this body because of that ministry? I think that's miraculous. I think it's miraculous that in 2017 that a public school would let a church bring weapons into the school. That's miraculous. That's amazing, right? That's like holy mackerel. Hey, can we bring weapons into school and give them to the kids? Sure, that's great. Come on in. That'd be fantastic. Right? That is absolutely amazing. These guys, these disciples, they did life together. They had a genuine, a genuine community. And that's what the church is all about. It's about having genuine community. Have you ever been on a, if you'll understand this, have you ever been on a missions trip, right? You ever been on a, a men's or women's retreat of some kind, a youth retreat or something? So mission trip or a retreat. Think about the time that you spend with those folks, even if it was only for a few days, maybe a long weekend or something. And the relationship and the connection that you made to those people, because you spent that time together getting to know them, investing in their lives. They're some of your best friends now, right? They're some of the people that you hang out with church. You got to know them sitting around a fire at a retreat or, or working side by side on a roof or painting a building or something or, or, or just whatever you were doing with that person you got to know them and that's why so often if you think about it your best friends later in life were your college roommates because you did life with them 
You lived with them in that dorm room. You worked together. You studied together. You cried together, right? Went through relationship issues together. You talked about your families together. And now that person still, even if they live in a different state, you still connect with them because of the relationship that you have with that person. God designed us to share our lives with other people. We are designed to share our lives with other people. And that's what people all the time say to me. Again, I'll say it again. Well, I don't really need or I don't really need. Yeah, I understand. I understand. You don't need to go to life group. You don't need to go to women's Bible. You don't need to go to men's Bible. You don't need to go to the picnic. You don't need. I understand. You don't. Maybe I think you do, but you don't. You say, I don't. But you know what? We need you. We need what you bring to the table. That's what we miss sometimes. I don't need. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give you. I'll just, I'll surrender that. You don't need it, but you know what? I need you. The people around you need you. What you bring to the table. They're hurting. They're suffering. They have needs that you can fill with your relationship, connecting to them. They need you. That's what the, that's what the Bible says, that they need you. You know, I, I said earlier we're on a spiritual journey, but we were, we, were, we were designed to journey through life. I was not designed to start my journey in bondage over here, and I'm breaking free, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, well, my own bootstraps, pull myself down, reach down deep, you know. You know, sometimes you pull your bootstraps and they snap, right? Sometimes you dig way down and what you come up with? Nothing. Sometimes I don't have the strength. You ever see some of those sporting events where they're running a marathon or whatever, they've done like a multi-marathon and the person just collapses and they literally, their muscles just give out. But there's the finish line. I've seen other competitors who could have finished first stop, pick the other person up and carry them across the finish line. Sometimes we need to carry each other across the finish line. We're in a marathon in our spiritual journey together. We're in a marathon, but you don't do it alone. You can't do this alone. We are not on a spiritual journey all by ourselves. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us clearly, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, and I'm, I promise you, I'm not thinking of anyone and I'm not picking on our church, but I've talked to so many other pastors. Regular attendance used to be three to four times a month. Regular attendance in most churches now is once a month. And the Hebrews are saying, hey, says, not giving up meeting together is some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Why? So we can encourage one another. So we can support one another. So we can carry one another. So we can give our gifts to the body of Christ and to those around us. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus Christ is going to return. We need to work together. We need to stand together. God has designed us to live and to act and to function in community. He has given us a unique body. This body is a unique body, a body of people to encourage us, to, to, to support us, to inspire us, to motivate us. Sometimes, honestly, like I said, to, to challenge us, Again, to carry us. You know, there are times in life where I need you to carry me. Well, you're the pastor. Blah, blah, blah. I, don't, I don't care. There are times in life where I need someone else to just put an arm under me and just carry me. I'm, I'm exhausted. 
You know, you go through things in life sometimes. That's why I say all the time, people say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God won't give you more than you can handle. Nowhere. And it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. God gives me more than I can handle sometimes. And, and what do I do? He gives me more than I can handle so I can depend on him and his strength to get me through. And I can depend on the body of Christ to get me through. doesn't say God won't give you more than you can handle. You guys get, uh, there are some of you have gotten, I sometimes think back and you're about to go through something or something happens to someone close to you. I, I pray, I get on my knees and beg God that it doesn't happen. Heal this person. Fix this situation. Don't let him go through this. I'm thinking to myself as a human being, no human being can handle another situation like that. God, please don't let them go through that. You know why? That's, they've already had more than they can handle and we've, we picked them up and we've carried them and we've, we've loved them and we've encouraged them and they've drawn on your strength and they're standing up straight, Lord, and they're still serving you. Please don't let them go through another something that they can't handle. We, we, we desperately need each other. We are here to help each other accomplish the tasks that we were designed to accomplish. I cannot accomplish the task that God has for me without you. Cannot happen. I do not have the gifts necessary to accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. I openly recognize that and admit it. Openly. I am incapable of fulfilling my purpose in life without you. Because of the gifts and the talents and abilities that you bring to the table. You are incapable of fulfilling what God has called you to do without the body of Christ, without the people there to support and encourage you, without God's power flowing through you. I am here, standing up here, okay, doing what I do because of the encouragement of the body of Christ. Public speaking was not my greatest fear. It paralyzed me. I say paralyzed to the point I almost went blind being paralyzed. I, I, I couldn't, the idea of getting up in front and saying anything or whatever the case may be, paralyzing. How the heck does someone now spend their lives doing that like three times a week? Because of the power of the body and encouragement of the body of Christ. Being a part of God's family is awesome. Okay, it's not an obligation. It's not like, oh, I've got to go to church. It is awesome. And if you don't think it's awesome, you're just missing out. It's, you're missing something. It is awesome. And let me be honest once again. You cannot reach, you, can, you cannot reach your spiritual potential if you are not connected to the body of Christ. cannot be done. You cannot reach your spiritual potential if you're not connected to the body of Christ. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you want to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, if you want to become more like Christ, if, 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 if you want to fulfill your purpose, you need to get connected. This is a call. This is a call to get involved in the people right around you. Okay? I'm calling you to get connected to the people right around you. The people sitting next to you. The person with the little name tag on. John or Susan or Corey, whoever the case may be. They have needs. They need you. They need you to be a part of their lives to encourage and support them and help them to become the people that they were created to be. And if you won't do that, listen to me. If you won't do that, then biblically you're withholding good from that person. 
You are withholding good from that person. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And honestly, in context, he's talking about the body of Christ, not outside of the body of Christ. Now, we can extend it outside the body of Christ like we do all the time. I don't think it's wrong with that. But Jesus was talking about whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. The least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. We are obligated to invest in each other's lives. And when we don't, we biblically unhold good from other people. So that's my encouragement to you this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about connecting with someone in the body. I don't care if it's even today. Talk, you, you just saw his na- the name tag of the person and now you want to go out to lunch with that person or try to connect with them sometime in the next couple of weeks. In the next week, connect with them. Get to know them better. Have a supper aid or something at your house where maybe it's you and your spouse or if you're single, it's just a single person. Invite six or seven people over. Have about eight people at your house and just hang out and get to know each other a little better. Just get to know it. Just do something. Just go out to lunch today. Go out to dinner tonight. Do something to kind of connect with each other. Some of you, you need to get involved if you're not already involved in a life group. Some of the life groups are starting up. We're just starting up new life groups. We have some new ones starting. Talk to Emily Monifo. Call, call the church office. We'll connect with you on that. Some of you need to get involved in a men's Bible study. We have multiple men's Bible studies going on with Blood Brothers. We also have a men's Bible study at 7 a.m. on Wednesday mornings over the Orca Center. We just hang out. We talk about the, the sermon. The, the most recent sermon. Sometimes we go through a book. We just spend, we just do life together. Some of you need to get involved in the women's Bible study. You get, some of you need to get involved in the youth ministry. You think, oh yeah, get those adults. I'm glad he's saying this to the adults. Hey, you need to get engaged in the youth ministry. You, just because you're a teenager doesn't mean you don't have something to offer, right? You think, well, I'm gonna, when I get older, no, 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 no. Show me in the Bible where it says when you get older, then you can do something. Show me in the Bible where it says you're exempt when you're a teenager not to engage in what I just described. You're not going to find it. Why? Because you are some of the most gifted people on the planet, the most energetic people on the planet, the most passionate people on the planet, and no one has told you yet that it's impossible. Okay, so you can truly be used by God. Get engaged in the area of ministry. Let's get involved in each other's lives. Let's not limit our church activity to an hour on Sunday mornings. Let's be a 24-7 church body. Let's be a 24-7 community. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this time we can spend together. God, thank you for each person here. I pray, dear God, that we would take advantage of the opportunities to be connected to the body. God, that we would pray about it, that we would go before you on our knees, Lord God, and we would ask you, where can I be connected to within the body of Christ? That we would break some old habits of just kind of coming in and coming out, but we would say, what are some ways that I can be involved, even in a small way to get started? God, I want to encourage each person here. And I want you, through your Holy Spirit, to, to, to really encourage, Lord God, each person here, that we would be connected to one another, that we would love each other intensely, that we would carry each other during the difficult times. And when there are times that come, Lord, that, that we get more than we can even handle, when this world hits us so hard that we feel like we're going to fall apart, Lord God, that there'd be people around us to, to lift us up to be our strength, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your words of encouragement. God, we love you, we praise you, and we ask, dear God, that we would all in our spiritual journey walk this journey together, that we could all achieve what you have for us. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.
Have a great week.